Hey, it's Brandon Laws. Welcome to Transform Your Workplace. This episode is brought to you by Zenium HR. Zenium is supporting small and medium-sized organizations for their human resources, payroll processing, benefits administration, and much more. Learn more about Zenium at zeniumhr.com. Okay, today's episode is a great one. It's with Dave McKeown. He's the author of The Self-Evolved Leader. And we're talking about how leaders can break the cycle of mediocrity, how we get out of the firefighting, the day-to-day tactical work, lift ourselves up and evolve as leaders and to focus on the strategy amid this fast-paced world. You're really going to love this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation with Dave. Enjoy. Reach out to me on LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, any of those places where I accept direct messages. Would love to hear from you. Have a great week and we'll talk to you next week. Dave, so great to have you on the Transform Your Workplace podcast. Thanks for coming on. Hey, Brandon, thanks for having me. It's great to be here with you. We're going to talk about this concept of the self-evolved leader. You wrote a book on it called The Self-Evolved Leader, Elevate Your Focus and Develop Your People in a World That Refuses to Slow Down. I'm excited to to dive into this. Let's just start from the top. What's the challenge for the the modern-day leader right now? Well, I think that the subtitle says it all. I was trying to, you know, get as much of the main message into that as I could, which is we live in a world where everything is urgent, where we've given anybody permission to interrupt us at any time and essentially assign whatever priority they want to. And what I've found over the last 10 years or so in working with leaders and leadership teams is is that's only accelerating. And so what it does is it it knocks us into this cycle where in order to keep moving forward, leaders are finding that they have got their hands far too deep into the weeds of the day-to-day actions that are happening and the crises that they have to tend to and the fires that they have to put out, that they're not able to think about the medium and long-term direction of their team and their people ultimately end up starting to feel a little disempowered. And so I wanted to find a way to give folks a path out of that cycle of mediocrity that we find ourselves in. It's interesting with like the the last year or so with with COVID, you'd think that the world would slow down a little bit, but I think it feels like the opposite. I mean, we're video call to video call and fighting fires and just dealing with a lot of challenges. I mean, have you noticed that with leaders? I mean, absolutely. And there've been so so many different phases that organizations have gone through over the last year or so. You know, the first just initial phase of shock and and concern and what are we going to do and how are we going to pivot? And that of course is, you know, funny enough, in the terms of crisis management, that's true crisis management. We've really got to deal with that. But that sense of, 
uh, just fast pace, I think, like you said, has just continued over the last year or so as we've tried to deal with the ebb and flow of the pandemic and the different uh, strengthening and releasing of economic issues relating to that. And now we're looking at, well, how, how do we return to work in a way that's going to be productive and safe for, for employees? And that's a different type of fast paced environment. And then we'll get back to, quote unquote, whatever term you want to use for it. And the world will still continue to, to move quickly. So I think it's it's something that it's just something that's not going to go away. You know, it's it's only going to get faster and, and, and our leaders need to need to adapt to it. And I feel like we're very much behind the eight ball on all of that. Yeah, I, I like that distinction that it's like even when we get back to quote unquote normal, it's not going to slow down. So we as leaders have to adapt. You mentioned that leaders can fall into this mediocrity. In, in your book, you talk about the cycle of mediocrity that they could fall into. Can you define, you know, what is the cycle that people, you know, leaders fall into? Sure. So start with the output, which is mediocrity. Well, what do I mean by that? It, it, it doesn't mean that we're doing bad work. Um, doesn't even mean that we're not doing sometimes good and occasionally great work, but we're not delivering consistently our best work. And the reason why is the behavioral cycle that goes along with the need to respond to our fast-paced world. So, you know, leaders see new information come in. There's a sense of needing to respond urgently and whether that's a demand placed on a from our clients, from the industry as a whole, from you know the leaders above us, uh, we feel we need to respond urgently to that, and so it causes, in many cases, leaders to lead through acts of heroism. So they'll either jump in and save the day, do the thing themselves, or they'll just bark out orders in the anticipation of improving efficiency. Which in and of itself doesn't seem like it's necessarily the bad thing. We've got something to respond to. This will help us move in a fast direction. But over time, what we do is we build learned helplessness in our people. So if I'm constantly coming to you, Brandon, and you're either just directly telling me what to do or worse still saving the day for me, saying, hey, leave it there, I'll deal with it. Over time, I'm just going to stop thinking for myself and I'll just say, hey, boss, here's a thing, you know, just what do you want me to do? So then that leads into, you know, frustration, disempowerment for me. It also leads into frustration for you because you become the bottleneck and i've had so many leaders you know say to me Dave, i look at my team and when i put them together they were so capable and they were so you know they had ownership and accountability and i don't know what's happened to which i say well you got to look in the mirror because you're at least 50 percent of that equation and the more the thing is the more you as the leader become the bottleneck and the more i become disempowered the stronger and deeper that behavioral cycle becomes and it's really hard to break out of it but there is a way to break out of it right there is absolutely. <laughs> and how is how do you break out of it? Well, the, the first thing, like anything, whenever we've uh, realized that we're in a negative behavior loop, uh, is to make the commitment to get out of it. So we've got to first of all realize that it's an issue. And you know what? There are some leaders out there who will look at that or hear that and go, "Yeah, that is a hundred percent high lead." And I actually don't see that there's a problem in that. Oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah there's some people that are just naturally wired that way. That that just leading it through acts of heroism. And, well, they want to be the, the yeah, they want to be. The hero yeah because and and it makes sense because it, it validates us it, it it gives us that ego boost it helps us feel needed wanted useful and valuable um also throughout all of our life we've been rewarded on it and so there are some folks that will just say i don't want to change there'll be some folks that go yeah i can recognize that actually ultimately it becomes a liability and then for those folks it's about 
number one, making a mindset shift to say, okay, well, if this is what we're trying to break, what are we trying to move towards? Well, well, what's the opposite of all of that? It's it's all about rather than tending to everything as a crisis, it's choosing the stuff that's truly important. It's about working with your team to develop um, solutions to the problems that they have. It's empowering them to go and deliver that and then to learn from that and, and to grow and improve. And, and that's super simple to say in practice, you know, we switch one, we replace one set of negative behaviors with one set of positive ones, but it's difficult to play out in, in reality. The entire book is basically about this the self-evolved leader. So maybe define, you know, in a in a quick summary, what is a self-evolved leader and maybe characteristics both internally and and what people see on the external side as well? Sure. So there's a there's a couple of different characteristics. Number one is just a recognition that that we need to make this behavioral shift. Um, the second thing is to understand that our organizations aren't going to necessarily come and help us do that. Um, culturally, we're we're fighting a battle of responding to whatever's urgent, and so it's our job to. Uh, grow and develop ourselves as leaders, and that's that's as true whether you you know get promoted into your very first frontline managerial job all the way up to being CEO of the organization. It's up to you to continue your own quest and path for growth and development, and and that's where the self evolved piece comes in. And then there's a bunch of characteristics that we look to develop in leaders: things like having the growth mindset, things like being intentional about how we respond and react to new information or crises in front of us. And then the biggest kind of mantra that sits underneath all of it in terms of being a self-evolved leader is this understanding that your focus as a leader is on helping your team achieve your shared goals, but in doing so to develop into the best version of themselves. Um, For so long, the first part of that sentence has been the truest bit, which is leadership is all about helping our team achieve shared goals. It's necessary, but it's insufficient in my perspective for what great leadership looks like. If we're not developing and growing our people whilst we're achieving our goals, then I think we're missing a key component part of what truly great leadership looks like. Do you know... uh any self-evolved leaders yourselves and you know what how do they show up in to work like what do they what's their behavior like i'm just i'm really curious yeah so it's i I mean i know a ton because i get the opportunity to work with them and and help them grow (laughs) and develop um there there are some in the in the public eye that i could look at and go you know what they probably have some of those characteristics i always feel a little like weird and awkward doing that because i don't know those people and all that i'm all i'm basing it off of is kind of their uh, you know public persona but certainly the ones that i work with there's a massive understanding that the success of their team and their business really has nothing to do with their ego and rubbing and massaging and assuaging their ego. So much of how we show up in a negative way comes down to us needing to satisfy something within us, whether it's the need to be the hero or the need to be validated uh, or the need to be, quote unquote, individually successful. And those folks that are making the transition towards being a more self-evolved leader are putting their ego to the side to say, look, you know, all I am is a tool or a vehicle or a vessel to help us achieve our share goals as a team and uh, ensure that my team is growing and developing. And that takes a huge amount of emotional maturity. There's only a small subset of folks that necessarily start out with that perspective. It's something that has to grow and develop over time. Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because I I was thinking, I'm like, some people are probably just wired this way. Like they're already a self-evolved leader just by, you know, how they grew up or, you know, their environment or whatever. And to me, it does seem like if it starts with awareness about like, oh, I, I should be leading this way, but I'm not, it can be learned. I think that's the big point here, right? 
Yeah, I think so. And I, and I think in just leadership in general, for so long, uh, folks have referred to it as, you know, well, the soft skills of leadership, which to me is just a massive cop out because essentially what they're trying to say is, well, if we call something a soft skill, then it's hard to assess against, it's hard to train against, it's hard to evaluate against. And that's just nonsense. I mean, from, from my perspective, you can learn to be a good leader in the same way that you can learn to be a good cook or a good musician or, you know, a good chess player. It, it, you can break it down to, to its component parts and practice it and learn from it and grow from it. And when we just say, well, it's a soft skill, then we, we're basically just saying, I don't want to put in the work to actually learn how to become better in this, in this part of my life. I'm curious what your thought is on this. So if I've made a commitment to be a self-evolved leader and I'm even showing the behaviors of, and I want to run my teams that way too, but the organization as a whole isn't really aligned with that or they're just, they're not evolving the way I want to evolve, you know, if there's misalignment, how do you deal with that? I think the number one place you've got to start from is to control what you can control and not worry about the rest. You know, so many leaders that are in, you know, an organization where the culture doesn't fit with what they're trying to achieve, get frustrated and they just go, well, there's no point in trying because the organization's not going to accept this anyway. And, you know, there's obviously an element of truth within that, but you still have the ability to control what happens within your team. You have the ability to control how they converse with each other, how they interact with each other, how they show up for each other. And yet there might be a a need for a degree of messaging from you out into the wider organization that sort of speaks more of that language. But, But what I've seen is that when leaders start to operate in this way in small pockets, it it becomes contagious because you're creating an an atmosphere that people want to work in. And so there's a curiosity about that. And you you may not transform the whole organization, but you certainly can have an impact on those that work closely with your team. Yeah, it does seem like if, you know, a single leader adopts the self-evolved leadership characteristics and behavior that it would rub off on other leaders. And then hopefully over time, it rubs off on the entire organization. Yeah, and I mean, it's a it's a, a really idealistic way to look at it in that hope, I'm not saying that you're being idealistic, just that general concept that one person can change the entire culture of an organization. But hey, why why not? You know, what's 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 the other option? And not just talking about this one particular aspect, but anything, if you want to try something in your organization, but you're fearful that it won't accept what you're going to try, well, what's the other option? You just don't do it. Or maybe you just say to yourself, well, I know no matter how hard I try and hear this organization isn't going to accept it, in which case, that's great. Go find somewhere where you can turn up in that way because there's clearly something that's core to who you are as a person. So go play in a different pond and allow yourself to turn up being fully who you want to be in, in the workplace. I think too many people stay in organizations too long knowing that they can't make the changes that they want but too fearful to make the jump to something else how does the self-evolved leader lead its teams i mean what kind of conversations are they having how do they show up with their teams you know i'm just really curious how they might be different from you know one that's not self-evolved well the biggest shift is away from this notion that just because you're the leader of the team, you somehow are the one that has the final say on everything or that everything needs to be deferred to you. And so they're much more desirous of rigorous debate and discussion to arrive at a solution that would be better than any one person could bring. And it's funny because when I say that, 
to some folks, they think what I'm I'm talking about is you need to have consensus on, on everything and you're just going to end up in, you know, a place where it's just endless discussion. And that's actually not the case at all. In fact, if that's where you're at, you've overcooked it almost, you're too far in the wrong direction. But I think a lot of leaders fear opening up debate and discussion to their team because they don't know how to wrangle it back together towards right. a, a good solution. Uh, and so they'll, they'll, they'll either just come in and say, hey, this is what we're going to do, or they'll do a quick, hey, what do you think? And then we just quickly move in a direction. And you're, you're almost always settling on the least worst solution. So it's just an intentionality about including the team in, the, in where they're headed and how they should get there collectively. Hey, it's Brandon here with a quick sponsor break. Are you making any of these common HR mistakes? Fragmented company culture, inconsistent communication, do-it-yourself diversity and inclusion initiatives, HR and business operations existing in silos? Do, like, do any of these sound familiar? Well, if so, you're not alone. These are HR challenges we see all the time. And our free ebook at Zenium is here to help you get past these mistakes. Our latest book breaks down seven common HR mistakes and outlines the steps you can take to step up your people strategies. Download it today and see how a strong HR strategy can help your people and your company thrive. Download it now at zeniumhr.com forward slash HR hyphen mistakes. That's zeniumhr.com forward slash HR hyphen mistakes. Now back to the show. When it comes to like development conversations and even goal setting within individuals within the team, you know, how might that differ from different leaders that aren't so good at the development conversations? Well, if you start with goal setting, first of all, a really effective leader will start by helping the person that they're talking with set the goals that they're setting in the organization against the context or backdrop of their overarching life goals. You know, like so often that goal setting conversation is, okay, so you did 10%, you know, your, your numbers were, were whatever they were last quarter, let's do 10% more this quarter. How does that fit all together into like <laughs> right. the fact that, you know, this person's married, has got three kids, li- likes to play soccer at the weekends, you know, likes to do crosswords on a front, you know, it doesn't, it just doesn't fit with their overarching, you know, life. And so not that you need to, again, overcook it and become a part of somebody's life coach, but you know, what is it that you're trying to achieve or get better at just in general? And how does what we do as a team fit into that? Just at least taking 10 minutes to have that conversation can, can help center those goals in something greater than just the team or the organization. So start there, make it huge, largely driven by the person that's there, let them define and set their own goals obviously there might need to be a little bit of discussion negotiation that's totally fine but it's got to be under the guise of having an adult adult conversation you can't force goals upon somebody but you've got to be able to ensure that they connect back to the overarching mission of the of the team and the organization from there, the the development conversations, again, just need to continue that notion of two adults in a room talking about how we can get better. And, and so rather than it just being a, hey, you did you did everything awesome or, or you didn't do this, you've got to fix it. It's, it's got to be much more of an ongoing, like, what did you try? What worked? What didn't work? What did you learn? What can we do next time? So that the person's continually assessing their success again, just back into that broader picture of, of what they're trying to achieve. 
Yeah. On the point of the development conversations, is there a particular cadence that you like for meeting with your individual uh, employees? Uh, you know, I, I know a lot of leaders do the one-on-ones and I've seen weekly, I've seen monthly, I've seen <laughs> every six months. I mean, just what, what kind of uh, cadence do you like for that? It does depend on the organization and the nature of the work. But what I would say this is often is better than not often. And actually the way in which those discussions go is important. Letting the person that you're working with come with their thoughts on what they want to talk about, encouraging them, you know, what's top of mind for you? What are what are the biggest challenges you, you're currently facing? And starting there is way more beneficial than coming with your own list and saying, okay, here's all of the things that are important to me. And then again, just being intentional in those moments of ongoing feedback, coaching and, and advice not to just steamroll the conversation and say, well, you should just do this or do that, but just give the space for folks to truly understand the issues and challenges that they're faced with and then give them the opportunity to assess their own options to overcome those challenges before then weighing in and saying, well, hey, there's a lot of really good options here. In my experience, you know, if you did it A, this might be your outcome. If you do B, this might be your outcome. But hey, I trust you, I support you, you know, let me know how I can help you to go deliver on that. Too often we're too controlling of of the outputs of those conversations and needing our people to do something a specific way. Are there any like good tools or questions that leaders could use as a, as a tool within those meetings to really help guide the conversation rather than control it? What do you think? Is that not that I'm not asking you that? Like that's literally the question. <laughs> I think <laughs> right. <laughs> like so so often somebody will come and say, you know, what should I do about this? And and our natural reaction so is think? to go, yeah. Well, yeah, our natural reaction is to go, well, you should do this. I mean, that's just typical. Hundred percent. Yeah. But just to go, well, what do you think? I mean, even if you have the greatest idea in your head, which likely you won't, just giving somebody the space to share their perspectives, it just opens up their degree and their ability to think a little bit more creatively and innovatively. So just, you know, taking a pause whenever somebody comes into your room, I think is a really huge leadership discipline. And then just asking, what do you think? Too many leaders fear that if they don't have the answer, that somehow that's them being exposed as being a bad leader. Again, it's an ego thing that you were saying earlier. (laughs) Right. Whereas sometimes the greatest leaders have no answers. All they do is ask really good questions and help people come to their own conclusions themselves. And then they support them to go deliver on that. Oh, I love that. That's so good. Uh, in the book, you said that it's important for the self-evolved leaders to develop and build these leadership disciplines. Uh, what are some of those? The reason that I call them disciplines is back to just a, an earlier point that I was talking about around soft skills. And, you know, I could have said, well, here are the leadership skills you need. You know, to me, a discipline is something that you can practice, you can learn, and you can grow. And th- there are a couple of really, really micro disciplines, just small little behaviors that you can integrate in almost every interaction that you have. One of them is just practicing the pause, just letting silence do the heavy lifting, being intentional about the direction that you're going in, and just pushing for clarity when Whenever folks are in the middle of discussions, quite often there's been a range of opinions that have been said and it kind of gets a little lost and, and a really good leader will just push for clarity. So those are just some of the really micro level disciplines that you can do on a much broader, larger, meteor scale. 
I see that there are five key disciplines that if a leader gets good at, they don't even have to master them. But if they get good at, then they'll they'll really take themselves and their team about 60 to 70% of the way of what we're talking about here. The first one's managing your attention because whatever has your attention wins the day. And so getting really good at dealing with those interruptions. I, I don't think it's even enough to talk about time management anymore. It's it's attention management. Secondly, then getting good at facilitating team flow. So how, how does work come into your team and then get passed around everybody and then back out to the wider organization often the leader becomes the bottleneck on the way in and the way out find a way to ensure that you're being a modem and passing the information on rather than a dam and stopping the information go once you flow information around your team and tasks around your team how do you coach or support high performance? How do you have those ongoing conversations that we just mentioned that allow your team to explore their challenges and, and the problems of those challenges in a way that's meaningful for them? Then how do you have those those tough symbiotic conversations when you need a course correction or when something's not working out? How do you step in and, and have a conversation that honors the person and what they're trying to do? And then finally, how do you build shared accountability amongst your team so that it's not you holding everybody accountable? It's not, oh, here's the boss coming, so I've got to show up and ensure that I've done my my work but how do you know that if you weren't there if you you know went on a succumbent for a year the team would still have the process and the and the ability to look each other in the eye and get really excited about holding each, each other accountable rather than being fearful of turning up and saying well i wasn't able to to achieve this I'd love to hone in on the the concept of the attention management rather than the time management i guess i'm always curious how people especially successful people spend their time like what gets their attention and when you look at the self-evolved leader somebody who is a good leader is successful what gets their attention in your opinion you've got to, got to get really good at, at assigning true priority th- to things we over egg everything is urgent like we said right right in the beginning and that's just not the case and you've got to get brave at saying okay I, you know whether it's a, an email that's come in or a phone call or somebody's you know got you on zoom or whenever you're in person somebody walks by you and says hey can we talk about this thing getting really good at saying okay i know the urgency of that actually you know what we've got a one-on-one next week let's talk about it then or, hey, we've got a team meeting tomorrow, let's bring it up then. And getting better at hanging those things on some hooks that ensure that they get processed, but that mean that you don't have to spend your entire day just working through the new bits of information that are coming into you. And that's that, that can be tricky for some folks um, because they want to respond to everything and, and follow it through to its logical conclusion right away. But often what happens when you do that is you find that you're not including all of the people that need to be involved in the discussion. You're not taking the time to view all of the viewpoints. You're just trying to get that interruption, you know, that notification off your screen or device rather than truly trying to spend the time solving the problem that it needs. So getting good at assigning priority management and and getting really good at at hooking things having some buckets that you can put stuff in that will allow you to return to it at the appropriate time i think the biggest challenge in all of this is like obviously the self-evolved leaders where we want to go and and sustain but because everything moves so fast it seems like it'd be so easy to fall back into the cycle of mediocrity that we talked about when we started the conversation so you know, my question and probably where we want to end this conversation is how do you sustain this way of leading long term? 
the big aspect of that that we didn't get a chance to talk about, maybe it's opportunity for another discussion in, a, in another couple of months, is you've got to counterweight the day-to-day action and tactic level tasks that need to get done. There's a huge gravitational pull towards that. It just, it's loudest, it's uh, right in front of us, it's most urgent. Sometimes it feels a little better because we're getting a, a shorter feedback loop on our success. And so you've got to counterweight that with the longer term aspects of your team. So spending time with your team talking about what it is that we are here to achieve in the long term, why we do what we do, what our overarching vision for our team within this organization or or our organization as a whole is, that's a great counterweight to the day-to-day. And then the next step in is, okay, if that's where we want to get to eventually, what do we need to achieve this year to make that happen? And then you use that as the counterbalance whenever you get sucked into the weeds. And I'm not saying that you're not going to have days where literally you're just (laughs) firefighting because of course you are. That's the world that we live in. But if you have a good enough review process to allow yourself to elevate your focus at timely intervals to say, okay, we just spent two or three days way in the weeds. Let's now elevate that. Okay, let's remind ourselves what's our annual goals? What's our quarterly goals to ensure that we're hitting that? Okay, what do we need to tweak or or change or to stop doing or to start doing in order to get back towards that? Building a drumbeat of implementation towards those longer term goals acts as that counterbalance to the gravitational pull of of the actions and tactics. My guest today has been Dave McKeon. He's the author of The Self-Evolved Leader. Dave, thanks for coming on. Is there anything that, you know, just parting that you want to share with listeners or, or even point people to like your website or anything like that? If you want to find out more about me, just go to davemckeown.com. There's a link to the book and and the work that I do. Um, and I would just leave you with the final thought. That is, I'm a true believer that there is value and virtue in becoming the best leader that you can, regardless of the outputs that you get. And so as you're thinking through your day-to-day in a leadership perspective, are you doing what you're doing because it gets an output or an outcome or results, or are you doing it because you know you're going to have a lasting impact on the people in your team and the people in your organization and the people you ultimately serve? Well said, Dave. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Appreciate it.